Welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. We had two fantastic back-to-back wins for our Browns in the past two weeks. This week we did not. Finally got our full circle hard stop on a tough loss, and it was a very tough loss today. Uh, Browns up late. Let's get right to the controversial play that's been talked about on social media. Should the Browns run the ball on third and three with 204 left to go in the game? Yes, they should have. Was it did it end up in ca- catastrophic interception? It did. It did. That's why running the ball there makes more sense. PJ Walker, who played a great game, really played well in this game, did a nice job. I shouldn't say played a great game, played a good game. Did nice things. Got to the team to the point where they had an opportunity to win this game. Couldn't close it out. Got close. But couldn't close it out. The second interception right off Jamal, which Jamal Adams made a great play. He's a great player. That's what great players do. They make big plays in big spots. And Jamal Adams there made a big play. Turnover. Next thing you know, the Seahawks march right down the field against this vaunted defense. It didn't look so vaunted on that series of plays, and they end up losing 24-20. Gut-punching, gut-wrenching loss on the final play, too, on that drive. Uh, clearly holding by Hackett, not called. You know, you get some, you don't get some some days. They did not get some on that play. Uh, Browns got some calls late in games. They did not get the call on that drive. It happens. It happens. Should the Browns run the ball there? Yes. Was it was it the worst play that the Browns have ever called? And it just was so unbelievably wrong that people are going to torch Stefanski for a long time? Uh, I don't think it's that strong. I would have ran the ball there too, no doubt. Would have ran it. The way the Browns have been running the ball all day, I would have. Um, I didn't go crazy like others did after that play call. I just didn't. Uh, I thought the Browns actually ran the ball a lot on the day. In fact, I know they did. 40 times compared to 32 throws. It's a very good ratio. And I understand on that play. I would, have done, I would have ran the ball too, but I don't think it's as egregious as or someone making out to be. I just don't, um, for myriad reasons. One, if they run the ball, I don't necessarily know if they get the first down. In fact, I would argue the Browns in those kind of situations lately have not gotten first downs. In fact, they've had trouble on, on third and short situations and getting the first down. In this game, they were successful. I don't know if that would necessarily been there. Two, you still had to punt. Defense still has to stop the Seahawks. The Browns defense did not stop the Seahawks in that last drive. That, to me, was more frustrating than the play call. Again, I'm frustrated by the play call. I really am. Should have run the ball there. Yes. I don't think it's doomsday and worst call ever, and I don't understand what's going on. And Ah. Uh, he should be, this sounds like 
some of the coaches from the past. I, I don't see that here with that one particular play call. And in fact, Stefanski, I thought, did a really nice job on the day calling. And I'm not a Stefanski supporter. I don't think he's a good head coach. I really don't. I don't think Stefanski should be the head coach here. I, I would, even in this situation, I just complimented him having a good game. Still don't think he's a good coach. That play calls frustrating. He does that a lot. That one, to me, wasn't as egregious as other ones were. Third and three. He decided to let P.J. Walker make a throw. It didn't work out. P.J. Walker missed more than half his throws. And Stefanski makes calls like that. It drives you crazy. It does. <laughs> drives you crazy. At the same time, you can't just keep saying that one call was the worst call of his tenure. So I've seen much worse than that. I really have. It was bad, and it was not the right call. But the defense still had a chance to stop him. They didn't do it. Defense could not get off the field quickly, and they were not on the field much. I mean, the defense at some point has to perform. I mean, I get it. Momentum and all that stuff, sure. Okay, fine. But the defense was only on the field for 23 minutes, 20 seconds. Make a stop. Couldn't do it. And the, and the Browns defense had a very hard time, which I was surprised. I was really surprised. They had a very hard time putting pressure on Geno Smith in this game. They only got three quarterback hits compared to 10 for the Seahawks. Only one sack. Should have had more in the day. I mean, the Browns defensive line, where I thought was a big advantage this game, really did not take advantage of their strength there, where they could have. That, to me, bothers me. I'm bothered by the run play. I mean, the pass plays of the run play? Absolutely, sure. But those things, you know, it's clutch and it's key, and you got to make, when you have a big advantage on defensive line like they did today, you got to take advantage of it, and the Browns are not on this day. Now, here's some things we did learn. P.J. Walker has some real limitations. If he plays, with, if he plays next week against Arizona, they're going to have to run the ball like they have been. Keep running the ball and allow him to use his legs and his handing off ability to win games for the Browns. You cannot rely on P.J. Walker to make plays. Sometimes you have to go through the process of seeing what this is. We've seen it now. And in big spots, he can make big throws, yes. He also can make really risky throws. And he says a couple. In the Niners game, I mean, for people who are jumping off the cliff, they're going to point to the Niners throw, which almost got intercepted too late in the game. So he's had moments. Um, again, I thought Jamal Adams made a, just a great play on Teller. Teller, who's usually pretty good in that spot, just let him get over him, block the ball, and away we go. And it was tough. Very frustrating way to lose. Not catastrophic. That's why those last two games are so key. And again, you keep playing games like this, you're going to eventually get bit. 
Browns won two of them. They lost this one. That's what, that's usually how it breaks down. Tough place to play in Seattle. Tough game on the road. But they had a chance. And not a lot of people gave the Browns a chance. Browns showed a lot of fight here today. The running game has been reborn. Amari Cooper is a wonderful player. David Njoku is having a very good year. But is, is Stefanski a good coach? In my opinion, no. But I felt that way before this game. Did he make a bad play call there? Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's what he does. He makes play calls that just, you go, just run the ball there, coach. And he does not do that. That is not what he's here to do. He likes to become fancy play caller. Fancy play caller gets you in trouble. Got him in trouble in this game. It's too bad. Browns played really, really well in this game. Showed some things. And they took a gut punch early, which I wasn't surprised. I guess I was expecting Seahawks come out with their hair on fire, and they did. The only thing in this game, though, that's getting really forgotten, the lack of pressure on Geno Smith and the tackling in this game was terrible. Terrible. Browns had a very hard time tackling on defense. Browns' defense today, I thought, came up short. And again, they weren't on the field that much. 23-20. I mean, my gosh, that's almost a third of the game. So they did not play a lot. I mean, here's the difference in the game. The Browns defense played 52 plays. All right, let's see. What's the total play here? Hold on. Let me get the total plays. Let's get this right. Why well, not? Uh, anyways, a total play 75 to 55. 75 plays to 55. 20 more plays. And the Browns defense just looked wiped early in the game, and they looked wiped at the end of the game. Not acceptable. I'm frustrated by that. This is a defense I expect more of. Got to do better. Got to slow them down. Got to hit the quarterback. Got to make tackles. And, yes, there's a hold on lock at the end of the game. They got some calls at the end of these games. They did not get the call on Sunday. It's not the end of the world. My one big footnote, have to win at home against Arizona. They are garbage. Take care of the garbage. Got to take care of the garbage. Take care of the garbage against Arizona. Get back to where you are, right there, five and three. And then you, and then you play two AFC North opponents and Baltimore at, at home against the Steelers. Then the schedule kind of opens up for a little bit. If they can get to six and four, maybe even go seven and three, which I think is asking a lot. And six and four is a lot more respectable. The schedule's ahead of them, meaning I think they have games they can win. I can see them going 11 wins. Again, I can see them going 11 six, maybe even 10 seven. It's right there for them. First things first, got to be in Arizona this week. And you also have to wonder what happens if Deshaun Watson is in that game. Eh, probably a little different result. Browns go to four and three. Tough loss, gut punching loss. But because of the wins that they had earlier this year in Indianapolis at home against the Niners, it's not catastrophic. But you got to win next week now. 
Moving on to the Cavs, one and two start. The injuries are a big dominant component right now for the Cavs. They are not without – I mean, they're without many players. Cavs, um, here's my three big things. Struce has gone off to a good start. They are not into a rhythm. The injuries are a big component of it. Niang's off to a very slow start. And then finally, they're going to have to figure out where's this defensive mentality they've been so keen on and has really made them successful the last few years. I don't see the successful defense. I see a much more high-paced, high-scoring offense. But the Cavs are built on defense. The junkyard dogs, I'd say. Right now it's just junk. They need to figure out what's going on with this defense. They need to play better defense. Need to. Need to do it. Not seeing it here so far. These first three games. The injuries are number one. They got to get healthy. Cavs have way too many players out. Allen's still out. I don't think he'll be playing against the Knicks. Garland's questionable. Mitchell's been out. And again, Ricky Rubio's out probably for the whole season because he's dealing with some mental health things he has to take care of. And you got Ty Drum sitting out. Those are big, significant parts. Cavs need to get healthy. Disappointing slow start to the season, one and two. Buckeyes keep rolling. They did exactly what I thought they were going to do. Harrison's extending what is his march to the Heisman, in my opinion. I think at this point, it's actually going to be surprising to see him not win it. He's really on his way, which is exciting, which is good for him. It's great. Really, as they are on their way. He is on his way to win the Heisman. That's how good he's playing right now. Very good performance from him. The Buckeyes and Henderson took off in that game. And the defense just keeps doing what it does. Slowing teams down, getting closer to the Michigan game. And, yes, I think they can beat Michigan. I think they will beat Michigan. Michigan's played nobody. Nobody. How can you take them seriously? Us, they're cheating. Don't get fooled by teams that don't play other teams. See what happens when Michigan goes down to Happy Valley in a couple weeks. Let's see what happens there. Guardians, no manager. In my opinion, sounds like they're kind of mulling over options and not really falling in love. They're just taking their time right now. So no update there on the Guardians. That's the week that was in Cleveland Sports. My name is Andy Billman. Check us out at, at Official Cleveland Sports. And as always, stay tuned here to the YouTube channel and believeintheland.com. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. 
Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.